Broadcasting from deep within the great pit of Carcoon, this is the Dewback Discussion Podcast. Your source for Star Wars news, theories, and reviews. With your hosts, Jared Bachman-Stubbs and Mike Dolan. Welcome back to the Dubak Discussion Podcast. I am your host, Jared the Dark Jedi, Bachman Stubbs, and joining me is Black Leader, Travis Grossman. Sup? Whom, for those of you at home, said, and I quote, I'm about to hit record before he pushed the big red button to make the podcast record. And that's why I'm To laughing. make the, the big blue things happen on the on the screen. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> this is a light news episode, but we, we it's going to be three hours long. We have we have a lot to talk about at the end. It's going to be three hours long. Um, um, real quick before we get into slice of life, okay. Be sure to go back and listen to oh. our audio commentary for Revenge of the Sith with our good pal Jason Ward. It was a great time had by all recording it was an editing fucking nightmare yeah let me tell you so first of all having all three mics on is not something we are used to so we had way more background white noise yeah b i had mike's mic turned up way too fucking loud like i i like after like once i got halfway through it stopped i stopped seeing as many clips and i realized oh wait I think I remembered to turn him down halfway through. I'm pretty sure at one point you're, we're on record like being like, Mike, fucking stop it. <laughs> like it, This is why we love Darth Id. I love him. But like I'll mic test him and then something will happen where he'll just be like he'll mic test out here. Oh yeah, he'll he'll like sit he'll six sit, inches away from the microphone. He'll sit straight back and like he'll legit just go, mm, yes, I'm doing a mic check. Let's just checking the microphone. And, and then he'll get up in here and, and talk then, like this. And then the episode starts, and he like practically has his mouth around the fucking microphone. Like, <laughs> like we probably should, honestly. I mean, yeah. I mean, like Mike is like practically filleting it though. But as he should, yeah, as he should. Uh, but yeah, it's a great episode. It's a really fun time. Uh, uh, I think it's my second favorite drink that we've done so far. It was my least favorite. Yeah, you didn't like. The I was not. Bar. Yeah, I like sweet cinnamon things, but like cinnamon gum is a no go for me, and yeah. so Fireball is a no go for me. Yeah, the the drink we had was was the Mustafar cocktail. It was uh vanilla vodka, Fireball. Cranberry juice, orange juice, and a splash of cherry juice. Um, so I, I I liked it a lot. I like my vanillas. So like, yeah, the, the blue milk was too good for me. I like, I had one. Not that it was like something incredibly horrible happened. In fact, it's a really funny story. But I had a vanilla vodka experience my first year of college. Yeah, and I've never been able to look at it the same. What happened? Or is this a story you don't feel comfortable telling? No, I can tell it because it didn't happen to me. 
my my roommate Dan. One yeah. day, one day I'm going to get him to listen to one of these shows. Um, I had never drank before. Okay, and in fact, it was. Oh my God! Wait. Oh, uh, this was exactly four years ago. <laughs> okay. So, um, in 2015, Veterans Day was on a Wednesday. So we had that, and we got Veterans Day off at UT. So we had what we re- referred to jokingly, I swear to God, it was a joke, as Get Turnt Tuesday. We knew how dumb it sounded, and that's why we said it. So, um, we got some out, like, literally, it was just like, we were going to hang out and have some beers, and someone brought, like, I don't even think it was vanilla, it might have been like whipped cream vodka. Whipped vodka and vanilla vodka taste relatively relatively the the same. same. And it wasn't high proof, it was like 30% or something. Not 30, uh, yeah, 30%. Yeah. Um. No, if it was 30%, he would have died. It was 30 proof. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, 30%, that's fucking rubbing alcohol. I've had worse. <laughs> I mean, tequila's like 80 proof. Yeah. I also fucking have a bad tequila story. That's later. <laughs> that's off That's off the air. Um, so, we start without Dan, and Dan comes home. Let me tell you about the day that Dan had had. He hadn't eaten anything all day. Oh, was not feeling particularly well, like had kind of a chest cold thing going on. So he had a yeah. slight fever. And he's like, no, I'm going to I'm still going to do this. And we're like, OK, you're an idiot. So as we're all coming down from like our couple Mike's hard lemonade buzz, you know, yeah, because we, we didn't get nearly enough to get properly drunk. Yeah. So <laughs> the three of us that were hanging out came down with a bit of a buzz. Dan starts drinking, and suddenly, Dan is just on the fucking floor. We had a sectional couch that came apart that he, like, fell in between the sections of. (laughs) That he was just laying in it. (laughs) Like, imagine this couch behind me. That's exactly what I'm imagining. Yeah. So, Kerplunk. the other two, we're <laughs> all, down. we're all, the rest of us are now basically sober. Caleb yeah. and Mackenzie, I'm name dropping people that might not want to be name dropped, but that you don't know their last names. Fuck you. Um, leave the apartment for a minute. Like he, he fell, he didn't fall because he was drunk. He fell because he slipped through. He slipped through it, but like he didn't, like a sober person would have been like, oh, I'm slipping. I need to get up and move the couch back over. He just like, but he wasn't passed out. He just, like, no, he yeah. just kerplunk. Yeah. Okay. And, then, and then he sat there. Okay. He's like, I'm here now. This is where I live. So Caleb and Mackenzie left. Uh-huh. He came to again and was like, where's Caleb? <laughs> I was like, oh, Caleb went to get some food from the pod store. He'll be back in a little bit. He's like, okay, okay, okay. Where's Mackenzie? I was like, oh, Mackenzie. Wait a minute. I th- I I think I know this story. You think you do? I, th- I think you told me this whenever we watched the uh, Corruption have. Shire Wolves match. I might have. Um, and I'm like, oh, Mackenzie went back to her room to grab some stuff. She'll be back in a minute. He's like, okay, okay, okay. Where's Caleb? <laughs> and that continued for about five minutes. Meanwhile, he's chasing around our coffee table for the vodka bottle to take another couple swigs. Then I'm moving around the table so he can't get to it. <laughs> like a fucking cat with a laser pointer. Yeah, because he won't stand up. <laughs> so eventually Mackenzie and Caleb come back and we're hanging out again. And, my, and Mike, Dan is like out of this world. He's gone. 
it's time for Dan to go to bed. Yeah. I'm like, come on, buddy. I'm going to put you to bed. So I, I stand him up. Uh-huh. I get him into his bed and I lay him on his side like, you know, a good friend does. Yes. And just in case I want to make sure that was empty. So Dan's like 6'2". Yeah. And Flux is between anywhere from like 220 to 250. Okay. Normally, dorm room beds are a little, sit a little higher off the ground. Our, yeah. our beds in this building were like the frame sat about three feet off the ground, so add about another eight inches to that. Okay. Which is like, it was higher than you'd expect for a bed. Like, I had to kind of hop into it. Yeah. I'm not a tall dude, so. And we're, we're hanging out some more. About half an hour passes, and suddenly I just hear... Oh no! I don't remember this part. Dan fell out of bed. Oh no! <laughs> of note, we had a big problem because uh, in that building because we lived above an RA. Oh, oh yeah, that's and the right. floors were fucking like that place was built on fucking popsicle sticks. <laughs> so like we've already had issues with them for noise complaints, and I was like, oh great, I have alcohol everywhere. And my 200-pound roommate just fell out of his fucking bed. Perfect. And somehow they didn't hear that, but they heard us vacuuming at 1 a.m. when we weren't. Don't don't go to college, kids. <laughs> Moral of the story. Like John Mulaney said, pays $200,000 to learn a language he already knows. 120000 um, 120000 thank you. Jared, how was your week? <laughs> he beat me to it. Uh, my week was decent. Uh, you know, lots of lots of lots of podcast stuff. Um, had something to say, and I completely forgot it. Was it that you were on Beyond the Outer Rim? Because you did that. I was gonna say that, and then there was something else that I was like, "Shit, did I do something else this week that I should talk about?" I don't think I did. Other than be on the outer rim, obviously, uh, yeah. So the, by the time you're hearing this, uh, the new episode of Be on the Outer Rim should be out. Go check that out. I had a very candid conversation with uh, fellow Stubbs, uh, Jonathan of that show. Uh, we talked. Surprise, surprise! It was mostly about the Last Jedi and Raylo. Um, because I feel like if someone asks you to be on, on their show, though, that's what they know they're getting into. Yeah, it was basically an interview. It was a great time. I absolutely yeah. love going on. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. No, yeah, but like, yeah. You're yeah. one of the Raylo people. Yeah, you know. <laughs> that's kind of why I'm excited for more Star Wars content because, like, it, I want to diversify my stances. Like, aside from being like one of like, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but like, I I, I think it's pretty safe to say that I'm one of the most one of the loudest Raylos. Well, that that that's for sure. You have a very high volume about <laughs> you, and you are a Raylo. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I meant. But, um, but yeah, no, it was a great time. I loved having him on. They actually had Ross on last night for the Empire Strikes Back audio commentary, which will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, uh, this Friday recording, obviously with uh, Ben Hart of of uh, of Return of the Jedi for Star Wars Underworld. Fuck a duck. Um, it's gonna be one of those episodes, but uh, yeah, really excited about that. 
And there was a girl today at AMC. It was hilarious. We got in the Rise of Skywalker popcorn bags and large cups. And uh, I picked up the cup to give them their drink. And they saw that, like, because half of it has, like, Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren and, like, a big First Order symbol. And the other half has, like, Rey and all the Resistance heroes and a Resistance symbol. And I set it down. And she, like, she, she, like, she saw it and then really loudly went, Kylo Ren? And I, like, looked right back at her and went, Kylo Ren? And, like, we... <laughs> Like this, like tribal call and response, <laughs> uh, and then I was just you know, talking to her and her family, and you know, joking around. I'm like, "Hey, you can get the Kylo Ren popcorn as well," uh, goofing around, and she was like, oh, "Yeah, it's, it's, it had a Kylo Ren phone case. It was adorable." Um, and then, like right before her and her family left, I stopped. I pointed at her. I'm like, "Hey, if Ben doesn't make it out alive, we're burning down this fucking theater, right?" She's like, "Oh yeah," and I like knuckle bumped her. I was like, you know, if Ben Solo dies, we riot. Oh, yes. Committing to uh, committing arson on your place of employment. That's smart. <laughs> it's quite smart. Hey. I've probably done the same. <laughs> there's nobody said I was the brightest bunch of brightest one in the bunch here. Brightest bunch in the one here. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Doc. I'm sitting here in a very cozy blanket. <laughs> I want to talk about space wizards. That's a, that's a clip. That's a quote. Yeah? yeah. I'm sitting here in a cozy blanket and I want to talk about space wizards. <laughs> I That's a mood that I am feeling. <laughs> Travis, I see your week. I think I know what you said. I, um, I'm so fucking slap happy. I'm all I'm, over from yesterday, first of all. Good. I still have it. the lightsabers on my tummy. Like... No, no reference. No, you have no, to listen to the Empire Strikes Back commentary. Um, work's been busy as shit. I'm sure. We had three double trucks this week. Shit. Uh, they might have had one today. We don't know. I wasn't there. It's not my fucking problem. Uh, so, like, work's been tiring. This week is going to be fucking exhausting. In, in a slightly good way. Yeah. But, like... That's why I'm glad we Dude. moved stuff around yeah. to, like, not do it in, like, the first two days. Disney Plus comes out tomorrow. Yeah. Which is, like... Well, today, okay. when people are yeah. listening, yeah. Which is fucking hype as shit. Yeah, which we'll talk about what we're going to do with The Mandalorian and Fallen Order at the end of the show. How we're going to cover that. Um. Yeah, Fallen Order comes out. I still don't know. Because, like, with, with Pokemon, I can be, like, I'm just going to take my Switch to class. I'm going to play it in my off time. It'll be great. Fallen Order... You have to sit down and like commit time to playing it. Yeah, especially with how I, dense that game's gonna be. And I just don't have my the plan. Time. My plan so that I can do like a story review is to is that I'm going to put it on story mode difficulty and just blitzkrieg it and yeah. marathon the fucking campaign, and then I'm <laughs> gonna put another one on the highest difficulty to just adventure. Yeah. Um, find my purple lightsaber blade. I want to match my Galaxy's Edge lightsaber when I make it. I need I need a black lightsaber blade. Is your edgy? Because I'm an edgy bitch. Is your edgy bitch? I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. <laughs> it's a it's a classic, uh, classic line. Uh, Travis, do you want to take the first story? I suppose, but that means I have to open it. I don't have any of them open on my fucking <laughs> you phone. Fucking asshole. I'll do it then. No, I'm, uh, it's loading. Okay, it's fine. It's not like I was ready for the next one. 
You think I'm a professional? I mean, you would have had the time to be talking about it. Ah, uh, so let's see. Rogue One's Ben... Ma- like, I'm like, Ben Mendelsohn is only known for Star Wars Rogue One. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> well, that's what, pe- that's, that's what this demo is going to know him from. Uh, Rogue One's Ben Mendelsohn. This Keen- is from our buddies at uh, Fanthatrax. Oh, yeah. Uh, keen to return as Director Krennic in Cassian series. Uh, speaking with the Herald publicist, Ben Mendelsohn made it clear, very clear, that he is more than open to appearing once again as director Orson Krennic in the Cassian Endor Rogue One Disney Plus prequel. That's a lot of words. <laughs> Reuniting with Diego Luna, Alan Tudyk, who is back as – I hope I said that name right. Alan Tudyk. Tudyk. Okay. Yeah. Who is back as uh, K2SO. Also the chicken from Moana. Neat. I've never actually seen all of Moana. It's so good. I've missed a lot of recent Disney movies. Oh, dude, it's so good. That one scene with Tafiti that deserves an Oscar on its own, as you were. I yeah. I I refuse to watch Coco though. I refuse. I'm afraid, dude. I'm afraid. <laughs> like I'm scared of what'll happen. My chest hurt, like literally, like from crying so hard. Exactly. Like I don't trust myself. I'm not allowed to feel things. I'm a man. <laughs> Keep reading. Uh, if you can do that. Alan Tudyk, who is back as... I can't read. You big dumb back fucking is... ape. <laughs> I'm way hairier than you. I'm the ape. That's another clip. <laughs> back as K2SO and screenwriter Tony Gilroy. Uh, this is a quote from Mendelssohn. I would. Ostensibly, I would. Being in Star Wars is the purest thing. Working with Spielberg on Ready Player One was pretty huge, but in terms of feeling like the cat that got the cream, there's nothing that comes close to Star Wars. Star Wars is like the ultimate rock opera so- rock opera space soap. I don't know that those words were in the right order, Ben. I'm not sure about that. But he's right. And it's a lot like a Tolkien book as well in the depth and the degree of its mythology. I like that. I like that. And the branches of it, and it got endless, and it's got endless room to go here and go there if they want. In this series, it's a great testament to it. Star Wars is watched in a particular way. Its followers are very locked in. I went to Star Wars Celebration here, and that was fucking awesome. <laughs> and I also bring my own Star Wars fandom to the piece, so I'm sort of aware of the degree to which Star Wars in, is in the culture. There's no doubt about it. Mendelssohn is ready to dive back into the story with a character that is a solid fan favorite. That's about it. I've made it very clear that uh, Director Krennic is my favorite character from Rogue One. My my favorite new character from Rogue One. Like, not counting, like, fucking Darth Vader. But, um, I just, oh. I still don't remember the entire crew's names. Is that weird? I saw the movie like twice. Okay, who's who's the the lady? Jin or so. Okay, the guy. Cassian, because Cassian, and I know Krennic. I didn't K two S. Was the droid? The other three. Okay, gone. And I love gentleman with the staff. He's my favorite, and I don't remember his name. Shirt Imway. Shirt Imway. I have a story about Shirt Imway. This is my. I segue. don't mind. I don't mind. 
This is going to be your version of me accidentally turning a show into three hours. You're long. right, but this is worth it. Trust <laughs> this me. This is like eight times in a row you've gone. I have a story about blank. <laughs> but hear me out. Okay. When I saw Rogue One for the first time. Yeah. I really enjoyed him. I love the the version of the Force we saw through Churin. Right? Yeah. Churit. Churit. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> I'll say his name right, damn it. I suppose. And um, around the time, it was when he like walks out to press the button. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, they're all gonna die!" Like that's when it finally clicked. <laughs> they're all fucking dead. Like, it clicked like, "Oh wait, they're all expendable, and they can't be there for a new hope, so they all have to die." Um, <clears throat> and like he he gets up to walk out and do the thing, and he's you know, I'm one with the force, and the force is with me. You know how we really shouldn't go see movies together because we don't shut the fuck up? Yeah. My friend Trey's the same way. And Trey leans over to me during that scene. We're not that bad. We're, we're not that bad. We just we, we turn and look at each other and have like a telepathic yeah. conversation I, a lot. I try to lure you into the back of the theater. Yeah. <laughs> like I try to get away from people. <laughs> um, but my friend Trey, in rhythm with Turret, leans over to me and goes... I'm one with the horse, and the horse is with me. I'm one with the horse, and the horse is with me. <laughs> and I bust so out. Now, like, sure, in ways, just Bojack horse. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm one with the horse, and the horse is with me. I'm one with the horse, and the horse is with me. <laughs> oh man, that was my sure in way story. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to see. Oh my, I fucking love Krennic so much. Yeah, he's, he's just did. so deliciously evil. Like, just ugh. yeah, it, it's the. <laughs> He's just like, this is my toy. This is my project. That that was a meme during the TJ days of Dubak where like we, Krennic came up and like my senior year, RJ fucking never stopped quoting Krennic at lunch like constantly. And our friend RJ is like not – he's a nerd but he's not like super into Star Wars. Like he likes Star Wars. He likes it a lot. But he's not like you or me or Spencer or Mike right. or whatever. And RJ could not like would not stop any moment he got the opportunity to as loud as can. We stand here amidst my achievement, <laughs> not yours. Like he screamed it every time he got the chance to. Good. Like, he went out of his way. Like there was one time we were in a choir rehearsal and like certain <laughs> said something and he looked at me and just mouthed the words, I'm gonna say it, say it with me. He was like, someone else needs to get shot with me. <laughs> It can't be someone, just me. Someone needs to be the base to my turret right now. Um, but yeah, I no, I love I love Krennic. I just I want more of him. I know I know Spencer's favorite is the Are we blind to deploy the garrison? Like, he's just so charming. Like Ben Mendelsohn, like even like like Talos as well in the in Captain Marvel. Yeah. Oh, like, he's just. Yeah. He's just so fun to watch. Like, there's a part of me that wishes he got cast as someone other than an Imperial officer. Because, like, I I, 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 I kind of like to see yeah. him do it with something else. But, like... Him as Talos, this is, for the, this is for the comic book show. I'll, I'll, I'll save any co comments about Ben Mendelsohn as Talos for that. Because yeah. I could go in on how fucking incredible that performance is. Oh, my God. Like, when, he, when he shows up with the soda in Maria Rambo's house, it's just... Uh, yeah. Uh, we want to talk about Kevin Feige? Yeah, because Kevin Feige didn't have much to say. 
<laughs> Go figure. This, this is a brief story. It's almost like Disney likes, likes to keep things close to the chest. Yeah, it's almost like they would never do fucking test screenings for the ending chapter of the Skywalker saga. <clears throat> anyway, moving on. Stay tuned. <laughs> That's what we call foreshadowing. I promise that story doesn't inherently make me angry. <laughs> it didn't until you showed me the video. <laughs> All right, go nuts on Feige. Oh, you want me to do it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of the MCU. The MCU has exploded ever since the premiere of Iron Man over 10 years ago, helping cement superhero action movies as the most popular and successful film genre at the box office. Martin Scorsese had to stroke when I said that. <laughs> That's a cheap pot shot. I'm sorry. Uh, I saw this so. onion. I think it was an onion article. Yeah. That said, uh, someone convinced Scorsese that the scrolls are a metaphor for Italians. <laughs> and now he like loves the MCU. <laughs> And we were both allowed to make that joke and laugh at it because we were both mostly Italian. We can, we can, I can feasibly say Dago on this show and it not be a big deal. I'm totally allowed to say Dago and WAP. Like, I'm allowed to say that. I've I've given my friends at work the D card. Oh my God. No. Okay. (laughs) Talk about Feige. Talk about Feige. Talk about Feige. What do you mean? It's fine. Cards don't exist. Oh, yeah, yeah. no. Th- th- that was completely a joke. Yeah. It's not a thing. <laughs> Dago does not have the history that some other slurs have. Uh, continue. <clears throat> and a lot of this work is coming off the hard work of producer Kevin Feige. I can't fucking stand you people. <laughs> Here's some of the other things they call me. But now... <laughs> See the goddamn article, Travis. <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, but now he'll be allocating some of his busy schedule to focus on the production of a new Star Wars movie, working with Lucasfilm. Uh, oh, and Kathleen Kennedy, who's been fired eight times. Yeah. Uh, She'll now, be fired by the time this show's over. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, now Feige is finally speaking out on his work in the Star Wars franchise, addressing his tip trip to the galaxy far, 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 far <laughs> away. I thought that'd be funny. You're so fucking done with me. I'm gonna dome you with my lightsaber. I'll dome you right back with Cookie Cat. Don't <laughs> don't tempt me. Okay, hey, that thing will just swallow my soul. Yeah. What do you think mine is? Um, during an interview with the Travis. <laughs> Here's the quote. I love that world, and I love the notion of exploring new people and new places in the universe, Feige explained. But that's sort of all that I <laughs> that can be said for now. Um, here's another quote. Well, they've made about five movies in about five years, and it's made over $5 billion. <laughs> so I think they're doing just fine with Star Wars. <laughs> That's the most fuck you statement I've ever heard. Oh my god. I I think they're doing just fine. I'm going to turn myself down a little bit. 
Well, like, what the fuck? Which one are you reaching for, dumbass? Is this not? I know, but I hit this one. Oh, I think I, I just muted you. I heard, like, zero yeah, white noise coming through at that point. Um, Yeah, I yeah. I just, I think it's funny, you know, like, Fe- I, I'm excited for Feige, what he's doing. What actually. did you just do? I, I, the, it was the ground flex. Okay, um, just making sure. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited for what he has to do, and I, I know he's excited, too, and I love yeah. the... I, I just love how cheeky that quote is. Just they're doing fine. <laughs> they made five they're movies in five years and made five billion dollars. <laughs> you might as well have ended that with "Go fuck yourself." <laughs> <laughs> like for real. Now excuse me while I make Ant Man ten. Like, <laughs> and it's actually good. Oh man. Talk about Billy Lord. Yeah, all right, guys. Get your tissues ready. I actually... I Is this the one you sent into the chat? This is the one TJ went, sent into the like chat. That went super viral? Okay. I never read it, but you, everyone that I've talked to, the, like I've seen that's read, has been like, I bawled my eyes out. All right. What, what are we looking at time-wise? 28 minutes. Really? It's only 28 minutes in? We actually talked about the Kevin Feige quote for like five minutes, like it like it warranted. So I didn't realize. I I thought slice of life lasted way longer, and I thought we were at twenty by the time we started. I think we were. So this is uh, Billy Lord, uh, who plays uh, Connix in the Rise of Skywalker, or in the sequel trilogy. <laughs> but she is also the daughter of the late great uh, Carrie Fisher. <laughs> I grew up with three parents, a mom, a dad, and Princess Leia. I guess Leia was kind of my stepmom, technically family, but deep down I didn't really like her. She literally and metaphorically lived on a planet I had never been to. Sorry, I had to switch my hand here. When Leia was around, there wasn't as much room for my mom, for Carrie. As a child, I couldn't understand why people loved Leia as much as they did. I didn't want to watch her movie. I didn't want to dress up like her. I didn't even want to talk about her. I just wanted my mom, the one who lived on Earth, not Tatooine. <clears throat> I didn't watch Star Wars until I was about six years old, and I technically didn't finish it until I was nine or ten. Sorry, don't judge me. My mom used to love to tell people that every time she tried to put it on, I would cover my ears and yell, it's too loud, mommy, turn it off, or fear, <laughs> or fearfully question, is that lady in the TV you? It wasn't until middle school that I finally decided to watch it all of, <clears throat> watch it of my own accord, not because I suddenly developed a keen interest in uh, 70s sci-fi, but because boys started coming up to me and saying they were they fantasized about my mom. My Ugh. mom? Ugh. The lady who wore glitter makeup like it was lotion and didn't wear a bra to support her much, <laughs> her, her much support needed double D slash Fs? They couldn't be talking about her. I had to investigate who this person was they were talking about. So I went home and watched the movie. I had forever... I had forever considered too loud and finally figured out what all the fuss was about the lady in the TV. I wanted to hate hate it so I could tell her how lame she was. Like any kid, I didn't want my mom to be hot or cool. She was my mom. I was supposed to be the cool, hot one, not her. But staring at the screen that day, I realized no one is or ever will be as hot or cool as Princess fucking Leia. Excuse my language. She's just that cool. Later that year, I went to Comic-Con uh, with my mom. It was the first time I realized how widespread and deep people's love for Leia was, even after so many years. It was surreal. People of all ages from all over the world dressed up like my mom, the lady who sang me to sleep at night and held me when I was scared. 
Watching the amount of joy it brought to people when she hugged them or threw glitter in their face was incredible to witness. People waited in line for hours just to meet her. People had tattoos of her. People named their their children after her. People had stories of how Leia saved their lives. It was a side of my mom I had never seen before, and it was magical. I realized that Leia is more than just a character. She is a feeling. She is strength. She is grace. She is wit. She is femininity at its best. She knows what she wants and she gets it. She doesn't need anyone to defend her because she defends herself. And no one could have played her like my mother. Princess Leia is Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher is Princess Leia. The two go hand in hand. When I graduated from college, like most folks, I was trying to figure out what the hell to do with my life. I went to school planning to throw music festivals, but always had this little sliver of me that wanted to do what my parents pushed me hard not to do, act. I was embarrassed to admit I had even I was even slightly interested. So when my mom called me and told me they wanted me to come in to audition for Star Wars, I pretended it wasn't a big deal. I even laughed at the concept, but inside I couldn't think of anything that would make me more that would anything that would make me happier. A couple weeks later, I went in for my audition. I probably had never been more nervous in my life. I was terrified and most likely made a fool of myself, but I kind of had a great time doing it. I assumed they would never call me, but after the audition, I realized I wanted to give the whole acting thing a shot. I was definitely afraid, but as a wise woman, oh fuck, as a wise woman once said, stay afraid, but do it anyway. The confidence will follow. After after a month, they somehow ended up calling. And there I was on my way to be in motherfucking Star Wars. Whoa. Growing up, my parents treated film sets like a house full of people with the flu. They kept me away from them at all costs. So on that fateful first day, driving up to Pinewood Studios, I was like a doe-eyed child. I couldn't tell my mom, but little sassy, sarcastic post-college me felt like a giddy, grateful middle schooler showing up to a fancy new school. <clears throat> you know, one moment. I need to. I literally am having trouble reading because my glasses are filthy. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> okay, I'll admit I am getting choked up, but I am. My glasses are covered in popcorn dust and tears. And tears. And tears. On the first day, my mom and I. <clears throat> pardon. On the first day, my mom and I sat next to each other in the hair and makeup trailer. Actually, she wasn't really. She really wasn't one for sitting, so she paced up and down around me, occasionally reapplying her already over-applied glitter makeup and feeding Gary her French bulldog. Between glitterings, the hairstylist craft... (laughs) Between glitterings, the hairstylist crafted what was to become General Leia's hairstyle. Then it was to me, little Lieutenant Connix. Funnily enough, my mom had more to say about my hairstyle than her own. Even though she complained for years about how the iconic Leia buns further widened my already wide face, she desperately wanted me to carry on the face-widening family tradition. Some people carry on their family name. Some people carry on holiday traditions. I was to carry on the family hairstyle so that after we tested a few other space-appropriate hairstyles, we decided... Oh, I lost my place. We decided to embrace the weird galactic nepotism of it all and went with the mini Leia buns. She stood in the mirror behind me and smiled and we had got like we had gotten matching tattoos. Our secret handshake hairstyle. Fuck. Ugh, okay. You On the take over? Uh, I got it. You sure? Uh-huh. 
On the first day of this thing I could now call work, I walked into the resistance base set for rehearsal. And J.J. Abrams, the director, told me where to stand and what to do. Basically, just press some pretty, some pretty fake, some pretty real-looking fake buttons. Uh, but I have to say, just pressing those buttons and observing the rest of the scene was one of the most fun things I have ever done. I had no lines in the scene, but my mom kept checking on me like I was delivering a Shakespearean monologue. Are you okay? She asked. Do you need anything? I scoffed at her maternal questions like a child embarrassed by her mother yelling goodbye too loud in a carpool line. Mommy, go away. I'm fine. Focus on you, not me. In the moment, I was humiliated, but my mom was momming me on my first day of work on a Star Wars set of all places. But now I realize she was being protective. <clears throat> Sets are extremely intimidating. I was too green at the time to know that, and she assumed I would be scared as hell. But weirdly, I wasn't. At the risk of sounding insane, something about this bizarre new world made me feel right at home. I found that I found a place with an empty puzzle slot that perfectly matched that weird puzzle piece. That night on the long London traffic-filled ride back from the set, she turned to me and smiled. Bits, she said. You know people aren't as comfortable as on sets as you are. Or, uh, you know people, most people, aren't as comfortable on sets as you were today, especially on the fucking Star Wars set of all places. Excuse my language, but that was her language. This might be something you should think about doing. At first, I laughed, assuming she was kidding. <clears throat> but she continued to look at me straight in the eye with no inkling of irony in sight. My mom was telling me I should act. My mom? The lady who spent my entire life convincing me acting was the last thing I should do? It couldn't be true, but it was. <clears throat> I haven't had many moments like this in my life, those aha moments everybody talks about. This was my first real one. My mom wanted me to be an actress, and that was when I realized that I had to give it a shot. She used to sarcastically quip that she knew all along what the massive she knew all along the, what a massive hit Star Wars would be. As with most things, she was kidding. She was absolutely and totally shocked by the massive global phenomenon that the first Star Wars trilogy became. It changed her life forever. Then when it happened again almost 40 years later, she was even more absolutely and totally beyond shocked. It changed her life again, but that time it changed my life too. I thought getting to make one Star Wars movie with her was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Then they asked me to come do the next movie, Last Jedi, and I got to do my once-in-a-lifetime twice. On our second movie together... I really tried to take a step back and appreciate what I was doing. I couldn't tell her because she'd think I was lame. Oh, some place again. Okay, because she thought I was lame, but getting to watch her be Leia this time made me feel like the made me feel like the proud mom. Watching the original trilogy as a kid in my mom's bed, I never imagined the lady in the TV would get older and get back in the TV. I definitely never imagined that we would end up in the TV together, but that's where we ended up. Two little ladies in the TV together, Leia and little Lieutenant Connix. We wrapped on The Last Jedi a little less than six months before she died. I went back to LA to film the show I was on, and she stayed in London to film the show she was on. And one of the last times she spoke on the phone, she talked about how excited she was that the next movie in the trilogy was going to be Leia's movie. Her movie. She used to say that the original movies, she got to be the only girl in an all-boys fantasy. But with each new Star Wars movie, all the boys' fantasy started to become a boys' and girls' fantasy. She was no longer part of a fantasy, but if the, uh, she was no longer part of a fantasy, but the fantasy herself. 
Leia was not just a sidekick of one of the male leads, had on his arm or a damsel in distress. She was the hero herself. The princess became a general. My mom died on December 27th, 2016, two days after Christmas, four days before New Year's, and about a year before she was supposed to appear in her final Star Wars film. Losing my mom is the hardest thing I've ever been through. I lost my best friend, my little lady in the TV, my mommy, and I inherited this weird, intimidating thing called her legacy. Suddenly, I was in charge of what would become her books, her movies, and a bunch of other overwhelming things. I was now the keeper of Leia. About a year later, JJ called me into his office to talk about his plans for Leia. We both agreed she was too important to be written off in the classic Star Wars introductory scroll. This move this last movie was supposed to be Leia's movie and she wanted it and we wanted it to remain that as much as possible. What I hadn't known, what JJ had told me that day, was that there was footage of my mom that they had collected over the years that hadn't made it into the movies. Footage that JJ told me would be enough to write an entire movie around. It was like she had left us a gift that would allow Leia's story to be completed. I was speechless. Anyone who knows me knows that that doesn't happen very often. Fuck. Okay, we're at the end here. JJ asked me if I would want to come back as Lieutenant Connix. I knew it would be one of the most painful, difficult things I could ever do, but I said yes for her, for my mom, for Leia. For everyone Leia means so much to, for everyone Leia gives strength to, for my future kids someday, they'll have one more movie to watch that mommy and grandma were in so that they can ask about the lady, now ladies in the TV, and tell me to turn it down because it's too loud. I grew up with three parents, a mom, a dad, and Princess Leia. Initially, initially, Princess Leia was kind of like my stepmom. Now she's my guardian angel, and I'm her keeper. Wow, that made you cry. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Loser. We're going to go get, like, a tissue or something. You're probably crying right now. I am. Not you. The listener. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you now. You wuss. Crying at something that is very sad. How dare you? I don't know how to follow that. Jared walked away. This is probably a good time for you to go get a tissue and wipe your tears away. Go do that. Remember to keep your parents close. They love, they, in most normal cases, love you very much and you should love them back and it's great. I didn't make it through the, uh, the first half of that the first time I read it. I got halfway through and was like, I can't keep reading this. I doubt anyone heard what you just said. Uh-huh. What'd you say? I said, I doubt anyone heard what you just said. Oh, oh, here's my pop filter. Oh, I said I uh, I only got halfway through it. First time I read it, because I was like, I need I to must, put this down. I must just be a heartless bastard. Ah, it's different. Different stories for different folks. It doesn't make you heartless. Oh, Jesus. It's beautiful, and it... As weird as it sounds, I don't think anybody kind of like Carrie Fisher dying was like when Stan Lee died. Like it was one of those like everybody knew that eventually one day these actors would leave us 
and these creators and these artists would leave us. But uh, you don't see the day coming. You, you don't see the day coming, and when it comes, it feels like it literally feels like part of the art died. It feels like everyone got hit by a fucking truck. Yeah, like like literally like if if I've since we lost Carrie Fisher, I don't I don't think there's been a single time I watched Star Wars and saw Leia and didn't smile, and it was immediately followed by a deep sigh. Um, and I know I'm gonna be even more of a wreck. Uh, Whenever, um, we unfortunately, when the day comes, we're like Mark or Harrison go like it. It's 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 just, it's a lot. It's a lot to process, and it's just beautiful what Billy Lord had to say. And um, I have nothing but love and respect for her family and everything. And that also uh, partially ties into our next story that Travis can read while I get my bearings here. What if I don't want to? Well, I'd greatly appreciate it if you read it for me. <laughs> Ooh, smacked my microphone. Carrie Fisher's brother says Leia would have been the big payoff in the rise of Skywalker. This comes from io9. With the sacrifice of Luke Skywalker, Rey seemingly stands alone as the last of the Jedi as we enter Star Wars, the rise of Skywalker. But according to Todd Fisher, if not for his sister's tragic passing, there were plans for there to be another. Speaking to Yahoo recently, Fisher discussed how the rise of Skywalker is ultimately using the unreleased material shot for The Force Awakens to give General Leia one final outing in tribute to the dearly missed actress who sadly passed away in late 2016. They had eight minutes of footage, Fisher said. Uh, for his sister's role in the movie. They grabbed every frame and analyzed it and then reverse engineered it and got it into the story the right way. It's kind of magical. But it's what Fisher had to say of his sister's potential. I'm trying to find a way where I can like read this and talk into the mic and it's not working out well. Um, Rise of Skywalker. Potential role in the Rise of Skywalker that is interesting with Yahoo alleging Leia was going to emerge as a full-fledged Jedi warrior complete with her very own lightsaber. That's according to no less an authority than Fisher's real-life brother, Todd Fisher. She was going to be the big payoff in this final film, and that was what the intent was prior to her exit. Prior to her exiting is kind of ominous. I assume he means, like, from the franchise, not from this realm. Yeah, like, you know... Um, an exit from the yeah, that's just from, the, from the project. Yeah, <laughs> is it odd that I find that way of talking about death kind of funny? I mean, Carrie would have laughed her ass off at that. So I think For, prior to her exiting, you know, from this reality. Well, that's the other thing that like that, that, that like makes Carrie Fisher's death such a double edged sword. Is that like it's so sad to think about, and it hurts. Because you love that character and you love her and you love everything she stood for. But like Carrie would want people – Carrie Fisher would love what you just said. 
And like, like from every, from like, obviously I didn't know her personally, but like from everything I've heard about her and everything, her public behavior, she had very big, she had very, very big crackhead energy. (laughs) Yeah. I don't mean that in the, like, I know she did, she had drug issues at one point in her life, but I mean that in the like way that we have crackhead energy. Yeah. Like, I think her, I think she would laugh at you going, exit. Yikes! Like I think I, I like from everything that we've heard about her, I think Carrie would have <laughs> laughed at that. Like, <laughs> uh, anyway, back to the quote: "She was going to be the last Jedi, so to speak." Oh, that's that's fucking cute. Uh, Fisher told Yahoo, "People used to say to me, why is it that Carrie never gets a lightsaber and chop up some bad guys? <laughs> why does everyone want everyone to get dismembered? <laughs> like, why?" Ugh. Uh, why is it uh, bad guys? Obi Wan, when he was in his prime, was Carrie's age. What? That's an odd quote. Obi Wan, when he was in his prime, was Carrie's age. I don't know when that's referring to. Like Carrie, when she passed. Carrie's what, like sixty-five? Obi-Wan's prime was the Clone War, which would have put him at like 30-something. Exactly. That's why I find 30, that... 40. That's why I put, find that statement very confusing. But anyway. Yeah. This isn't the first I time mean, that Todd Fisher... an argument that his connection to the Force was at its prime, since that's when he became a Force ghost. Whatever. There's yeah. a very deep lore conversation there that doesn't need to happen yeah. right now. Uh, this isn't the first time that Todd Fisher has suggested details about what his sister's role in the movies could have been in the wake of her death. It's also far from the first time since Carrie Fisher's passing that we've heard that there were big plans for Leia's arc and the ninth and final entry in the Skywalker saga. Uh, looks like that's about it for this. Yeah, interesting stuff. You know, The Rise of Skywalker was, you know, in its early development stages at the time of her death because they were just finishing up The Last Jedi. So I remember thinking it was a very bold choice to not have Leia die in The Last – not bold. It was a it was bold in that sense of like, no, we're putting our foot down. Like Leia's in the last movie. Yeah. I, I went in to The Last Jedi – I I predicted the Holdo maneuver, but I thought Leia was going to do it. Because I remember them talking about the Radis has enhanced shields and there's this – and Snoke's capital ship is like half the diameter of the fucking Death Star. And I was like, they're going to launch it through it like a bullet. Like I like, like and I, I had that idea from the moment that like the Radis and the Supremacy were being talked about. And I thought Leia was going to do it, um, especially how there's a really nice moment of foreshadowing – in the Last Jedi, whenever Leia force pulls herself back into the Radis's airlock, um, Leia passes through a hologram of the supremacy yeah. in the same way that the Radis blasts through its wing. Yeah, um, which I think is cool. Uh, and I'm not necessarily saying I wish they had done that with Leia. Um, it obviously should have been Admiral Akbar. Shut the fuck. <laughs> Amalyn Holdo has more personality in her like 15 minutes than Akbar has over the course of a Clone Wars episode in three movies. There's an important feel free to at me. There's a, feel free to. Uh there's an importance to Holdo doing it in my opinion, but Yeah. It's conversation you know. for a different day. Yeah. Um 
But yeah, it happened really early into the development stages, I'm sure. So there was time to like figure out what they wanted to do. They, I mean, Kathy and JJ said that like the nature of these movies was meant for it to be. The Force Awakens was Han's movie. The Last Jedi was Luke's, and that the Rise of Skywalker was meant to be Leia's film. Um, obviously that isn't the case. Well, you know. If some of the rumors that we've been hearing are true, be it from both sources reliable and less so, Leia will have some – is allegedly going to have some type of role with helping train Ray. Now, it is canon that Leia has some amount of Jedi training. I think you can make an argument that she is possibly high-tier Padawan, low-tier knight level of skill and training um you know what she pulls off in the last jedi is not something that a novice could do now again we're dealing with the skywalker so you have to up the ante a little bit with just your base connection to the force um that said i don't find it unrealistic that leia could in some way have training moments with Ray, however they want to engineer that scene. Right. Um but yeah, no, I, I, I look forward to seeing what we what we get from Leia and to see Carrie's final performance. I feel like that's gonna be like of the several times we're gonna cry during this movie, that's gonna be the first. Yeah. Totally. It was a, it was the f- <laughs> No, it's gonna be the crawl. <laughs> for me. The first for normal people. <laughs> All right. Um, So normally in this slot now, we will be talking about The Mandalorian, uh, which – Do you want to do – I want to discuss what we're going to do about The Mandalorian first and then we'll go into the the last story Um, (laughs) because I – yeah. So if you listen to both Do Back and All of Heroes – if you don't, go listen to All of Heroes. We're great. Um, (laughs) B – you like if you more often do, than not, and I don't know why our crackhead energy is way worse on Hall of Heroes. There's something about it, man. I think it's because like for the deep lore talks, I have a little more reach over there. Yeah, because like, like I'm into Star Wars. I'm not. I'm not you into Star Wars, <laughs> right? Like I'm, I like I as much as I miss Connor and Mike and like how their schedules have kind of fucked them out of the this block of episodes lately. Um, I so love the conversation revolving around like two separate tiers of fans. Yeah, I think it's or like not, not that you're less of a fan. Obviously, ob- I don't mean it like that. Obviously, but, I'm more of a fan than you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's me not a quant- three. Me that, and my three tattoos say yeah, otherwise. <laughs> that's not a quantifiable <laughs> thing, you fucks. Um, but yeah, just like the the idea that there's someone here that like if someone isn't you. They could listen to the show and go, okay, Star Wars is for everyone. This is, not that you gatekeep. Obviously, yeah. you do. You go out of your way to talk to Star Wars to people. Yeah. Like, but yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, but normally in Hall of Heroes, we take uh, after our news roundup is done, we will talk the ongoing current television shows because there's a lot of them for superheroes right now. We're living in the best time, one of the best timelines. There's a timeline where they're all actually like really, really good. That's the best timeline. (laughs) 
there's a timeline where Titan season one is watchable. Yeah, basically. Um, but yeah, I'll talk. We'll talk Titans. We'll talk the CW shows, and we'll bat around ideas for those and how we feel about those episodes. That's what we're gonna do for the Mandalorian on this show in this slot. You're listening to this on Tuesday. You've probably watched episode one of the Mandalorian by now. As of as of recording this, we have not. It is Monday night. It is eight till seven. And there's no there's no feasible way for us to record a review of the show, hook it in here, get it to TJ, have it all configured, you know. Yeah. Even even if we did everything here, there's no feasible way where we could do that. No. So you will be getting a double dose. Uh, next week we will talk about episodes one and two of the Mandalorian yes. in the slot. And just like, I think that gives us more time to absorb and the show. Hopefully fall in order. I think next oh, yeah. week is going to be uh, ideally, ideally a dedicated review week is going to, is going to be like a, a, a review marathon. I can take that. Um, that said, I don't know. At the very least do like first impressions and then yeah. Mando talk. I, okay. Barring there being massive fucking news, like announcements for what the Ryan Johnson trilogy is or what Feige's doing or, you know, confirmation of something huge. Star Wars Episode 10, Endgame. Oh my god. Uh, barring that, most likely next week is just going to be Mandalorian Fallen Order and we're not going to talk any news. We'll get around to news the next week, most like. Keep hiccuping. We'll talk about news the next week, most likely. But as of now, this coming week is going to be mostly the Mandalorian and Fallen Order. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully, if we can swing it, I'd kind of like to try to get more on the panel for that one. Indeed. So I agree. We can we can confer about that at a later date. But we have one more thing to talk about this week. Jared, I have been told that I occasionally let the fandom menace and world-class bullshitters and groups of the like take up too much airtime and take up too many tweets of mine. However, who has told you this? Huh? So who has told you this? I've besides you to yourself. I've I've, talking, talking about it to people who don't quite understand the dynamic have been told like, like my mom and and Nana have at points been like, you just separate yourself from this. it, It sounds like you're, Ang- like like there's angry assholes that you're angry at for being angry assholes. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, maybe don't. And I also know that a lot of people in the fandom itself like to – the actual fandom, not the fandom menace – try to not address them and give them the credence of being talked about. That said – when you get on the on the like board of Jason Ward, people need to step in. Like when you get into like when Jason has to acknowledge has something, to subtweet, and like and like I said, like we, my thing with the fandom menace, my my pseudo obsession with the fandom menace, I'll put it that I, way, I get it, is 
is twofold. Part of it, like I said to you in the car today, is like the hilarious is 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 the absurdity. And you know, like I, I'm in many Facebook groups, and we've. I'm just going to tell people what when we refer to the project, I'm in a lot of really, really fugly Star Wars fandom menace type Facebook groups that we're going to be doing episodes about talking about the content that is being posted inside of these groups. There are people from certain groups who know my name and when they see me, like know that there's going to be I, – I don't troll in those groups really. Oh, I did. <laughs> you did. But like the one, the big one. But like I more more often than not will like just voice my honest opinion and then just like get monologued at. So like I said, I'm not – I, I don't – I understand people being like, eh, fuck the fandom menace and agreed. But they're fucking hilarious. <laughs> to an extent. Like they're also horrifying. And there is a cult-like behavior there that scares the shit out of me. That like <sighs> I'm trying to think of a way to say this that doesn't sound super bloated and self-important. I'm aware of the fact that the conversation right now revolves around space wizards. But it's not a secret that really violent and disturbing extremists infiltrate fandoms and create discord inside of fandoms and communities like this as a way of radicalizing people. And things like, quote unquote, forced diversity and shit like that is inherently meant to condition people to get angry at the black Jedi. And the whole, you know, ooh, the amazing Wonder Ray, because she's a woman, she's the bestest ever shit is inherently meant to be. Sexist and is inherent like like it's it's assuming that she's being written in this way because she's a woman. It, it it's a big ball of fucked up that like you can't really get into it into talking about it without having somebody there to kind of bounce off of, who's like saying the shit that you can okay this is what this is the statement you're making let's break it down. That said, there are no fucking test screenings happening of the Rise of Skywalker. It's bullshit. They don't do test screenings for movies like this. They wouldn't. Why would they? People think, get paid for the people get paid for test screenings. Feasibly, I can make more money leaking the ending of the Rise of Skywalker to comicbook.com than I would make just sitting down to watch the fucking movie. There's no reason to do it. Disney keeps these movies under lock and key for a fucking reason. In what world does Disney, the mega corporation you are so fucking scared of, ever let anyone who isn't working on this film know anything about it other than what trailers show and what little bit we get from merch. Yeah. Like leaks happen. Leaks do happen. Leaks happen. But they're and, one in a million. And that comes from if it people, happens, it's from something that's, that's, that's not, that's not massive. It's not massive. It comes from people with like, that are already working on the film yeah. You think they're then going to go, okay, we're going to fill several dozen theaters with about 30 to 60 people and have them test screen this movie, especially when we're like a month out. 
they're not reshooting this movie with a month to go. There's not enough time. Like, yes, like movies get edited to the last minute. That's real. Oh, yeah. They've said like they were they were editing The Last Jedi down to the last minute. They were editing Infinity War down to the last minute. That's common knowledge that those things happen because, you know, everybody, there's always a little bit of fine tuning you can do to anything. What you're hearing isn't true. Like, it, it, it makes no sense. Why would they do that? And, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and cite somebody else's work and reporting. And I've made, I've made it very plain that I avoid, even though, you know, Jason is a friend of the show, I avoid Jason Ward's work like the fucking plague. Because he's good at what he does. Yes, yeah, because it's right. He's he's normally right, and if he's not right, he is the first to be like, "I fucked up. I was wrong. I got I got bamboozled. I was wrong." I don't like. How do I put this? I don't like basing one set of information off of a set of information from somebody else. But there is, with everything Jason knows. Don't you think he would have known about this and reported on it already? Not if he's in Disney's pocket. Yeah, because that's that, and that's where that's where immediately exactly. they go. I don't, paid by the critics are paid by Disney. Disney's buying the fucking seats. We're pay, we're paid by we're, Disney. yeah, we're paid by Disney. Like I, I wish I saw that fucking money. Right? <laughs> I wouldn't be sitting in a chair like this if I was getting Disney money. Um. We wouldn't have this brick of a laptop if we had Disney money. Yeah, I'm kidding. I love you. Don't fuck up. I love you. Specifically, the 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 content creator who's been getting a lot of attention lately, um, the YouTube channel is called DVD Overlord. The character who runs it is uh, Dicter Van Doomcock. Uh, classy, classy. Um, obviously, a Doctor Doom reference. Um, and that's kind of his shtick is that he's like an evil genius subterranean stronghold. Subterranean is certainly the correct word. <laughs> uh, his reporting is the one that's been blowing up. Geeks and Gamers, Jeremy, um, did a video highlighting Doomcock's reporting about how allegedly there was the whole Disney's reshooting 75% of the movie rumor, which again, that has happened and reshoots do happen. Well, let me rephrase that. Reshoots happen and there have been instances where that much of a movie has to be reshot. Solo is a great example because Disney was not thrilled with the product they had. Here's the thing. That was public knowledge. All of the major trades were reporting on the production woes of Solo. It wasn't a secret. Everybody knew. It was public that Lord and Miller got fired. It was public that Ron Howard was brought on to fix the mess. This a lot all of this would be happening in the public eye right now. And I don't think the reporting here is sound. I don't think that there is any level of care being put into fact checking any of this um you know test screenings are meant at their core to be a litmus test for what the public wants from a film 
Uh, I have an article here from How Stuff Works uh, called The Movie Testing Process. I'm just going to read this right now. Switch hands here so I can read it easier. With ticket prices are what they with ticket prices what they are these days, it's no wonder many people jump at the chance to participate in a free test screening. Because many of the filmmakers and other powers that be heavily involved in the screening process, these events typically take place in theaters nearby where they are being produced, uh, like LA, stuff like that. Uh, still they do pop up in other locations, you just have to know where to look. According to Roberts, most studios employ an outside film an outside firm to recruit audience members and run the event, introduce uh, introduction, passing out questionnaires and crowd management. Studios fork uh, over millions of dollars each year for such services. Uh, the company has methods for gathering participants, sometimes setting up promotions or signups at local movie theaters and shopping malls. In general, the target age for screening audience is 18 to 34 because most moviegoers fall within that range, although it's not always a hard and fast rule. Uh, in fact, film in in a fact in fact a film that is uh, geared towards baby boomers will okay boomer will feature a test audience in that age range. Elsewhere, the editing crew feverishly completes the movie about how they hate their wife. Elsewhere, the editing crew feverishly completes the rough cut of the movie. Uh, preview screenings uh, represent the most stressful and hard work of blah 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 blah. So, like that, that's that's the goal of a test screening. I it's not a secret that the last Jedi does not have a great audience score. Now, there was some review bombing i.e. what happened with Captain Marvel as well. However, The Last Jedi is a movie that a lot of fans toxic or not went, "Ugh, I don't know about that." Which is fair. If Disney was doing test screenings and they tested that with audiences and audiences went, oh, I don't know about Luke hiding in the middle of nowhere. Ooh, I don't know about Ray and Kylo Ren. Ooh, I don't know about killing, killing uh, Kylo killing Supreme Leader Snoke. In what world? Where Disney is willing to to reshoot 70 – I'm sorry. I'm going to quote Doomcock where there's allegedly three different versions of the movie floating around, one of which written by George Lucas involving a secret Skywalker. In what world does Disney yeah, go from Yeah, uh, from his three very close sources. From his three close sources. His shaft, his left nut, and his right nut. Yeah. What, where does this come from? And I also want to talk about like 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 something. Some of the shit Doomcock says is complete speculation. Is it? Like he goes completely I don't even, on a limb. I think speculation's giving it too much credit. No, I mean like he goes completely on a limb about what scenes are connected to what moments. Oh yeah. Like his whole thing was like, okay, well we see Kylo Ren and Ray fighting the rain in the Death Star wreckage, so that clearly is the lead into the fight with Palpatine. Why, why are you making like, like what, what are you basing this off of? You're not even citing a source for how you got from point A to point B on that. That's his asshole talking. Like, like the, the, it, that's well, secret it, source it, four, it, baby. It, <laughs> it, it reads like such a fucking conspiracy theory. None of these, none of these, these leaks read like anything sounding coherent. 
Which begs the question that I wanted to ask you on air. That again, if you want to just be like, we're going to shelve this talk for later. How do you think someone gets to that point? Like, I, I will go out on a limb and say that Dictor Van Doomcock. <laughs> that hurt you to say it. It really did because he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> I would I would go as far to say that he was a normal person who liked Star Wars at one point in his life. Yeah. Hell, her life. We don't see their face. They muffle their voice. We don't. I'm going to use they pronouns just to piss them off. <laughs> because I'm an SJW cuck mouse fucker. If we are betas. If they genuinely used to like Star Wars and just nerd shit in general, right? What's like obviously you and I go to the same spot. Well, they're just misogynists and racists. But like I've seen, I've watched people go through a cycle. It can go in like not just with Star Wars, where like one thing clicks and they start this snowball effect downhill, and suddenly they're saying shit like. Disney's doing test screenings with three different versions of their last Star Wars movie, and none of them are scoring very well, except the one written by George Lucas with a secret Skywalker that's probably a fucking dude. <laughs> but we aren't going to talk about that. Well, there's also, like, in his video where, like, he builds in, like, okay, these are the three outcomes. Like, we go yeah. with this cut of the movie... And, and Kathleen Kennedy, Kennedy eventually gets fired. No, no, it wasn't she, that. She quits. No, so here's the order. Either Kennedy gets fired and we go with the Lucas version. In that order. Or Kathleen Kennedy quits and we go with the Lucas version. Because the Lucas version scored highest because it stars a secret Skywalker that's probably a man. Um, or they go with the... No, no, they they never. There was no option where they went with the Kennedy version, was there? No, he said it gets put, it gets delayed till the, May. Yeah, how is that a viable option? It's not. I'm. It's like, not. Like how, how could you even? Like, best example, like most recent thing that something like this has happened with. When was that video published? Um. Just so I have my bearings. The one, the one about like the like the like the Secret Skywalker one. The one with the, that talks about the test screenings with the test Saturday screenings. night. Or no, 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 no. I lied. Friday. Okay. Friday, because that's when I went to see that play with Logan. Like, that's so what I want to talk about earlier. I saw a play at the guy. Yeah. Uh, so it was... Ooh. So it was recent. It was very recent. As in post-ticket sales. Yeah. Can you imagine... No... Sir, so, sir or madam, what the fuck? What are you smoking? Like, not only Give that, me some, please. Not, not I want to be that. able to get that fucking hot. Not only that, not only that, like, let, let's talk about, let's talk about the most recent instance of a movie announcing its release date, going into reshoots, and extensive reshoots, and then pushing it back. Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix put out one trailer. And then went into reshoots and delayed the movie. Because Dark Phoenix was supposed to come out in February and then came out whenever it did. Of this year. Uh, late June, because it was like right before I – or maybe early June. Yeah. It was right before I started. Yeah. It was, 
I don't, I, I truly cannot believe that they let tickets go on sale when even the thought of pushing the movie back came up. Like, how would, like, that, that's not an option that's on the table. And, like, I'm sorry, I don't understand how we're gonna, like, within the same, almost within the same news cycle. George Lucas was disappointed by The Force Awakens and Star Wars is dead and they ruined it and, and Star Wars isn't worthy anymore because George it was because George Lucas was upset with The Force Awakens. They called in George Lucas to rewrite episode nine. How do those two things exist? Like it's literally like talking to a conspiracy theorist. Exactly. It's, it, 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 it's it's that it's that cycle of thought where it's like okay, but like this is and why that's point, point A doesn't make any sense. Point A doesn't make any sense because point B is the truth, but point B is only can only make sense because it's built on the building blocks of point A. But once you get to point B, it doesn't really matter what point A was because you already have the mindset of point A that gets you to point B. It's just this cycle of logic of which again faux logic yeah. and reason. Which again, I, I beg the question: Is this are these people that saw the new Star Wars movies, didn't immediately identify with them, and then go and then start down the cycle of like? Did they start down a cycle of? I'm not a huge fan of these. They're pushing. They're quote unquote pushing SJW agenda. Disney's fucking how? my childhood. How? I, how? How? It, what is what is if 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 a black man and a woman being in a movie is a political stance and you're a fucking bigot? Oh, I agree. If like I like like it's 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 cut and dry, man. It's cut and dry. If if you're gonna say that there's a feminist agenda in Star Wars, how do they because get, there's a woman with a lightsaber? What does what does that mean? I don't mean the actual bigots. For like I, let me let me rephrase. I don't mean the people that that keep did talking. Work. I'm getting something yeah. to drink. Give me something too, babe. I will. What do you want? Uh, give me that Diet Dr. Pepper. I think that's what I'm getting to. The best diet soda. Diet cherry. Okay, you got me there. You got me there. But no, what I'm saying is like, obviously you have the people that immediately went, this is a political statement because there's a woman and a, and a black guy in it. I mean the people that didn't think that initially. How do they end up thinking that too? That weren't bigots and racist going into that they didn't come out with a bigoted racist opinion how do they get fucking led by the cock to being there none of like none of this makes any sense like it's like you know what it reminds me of cracking a cold one open with the boys I don't know if I ever showed the girls love you all yes I don't know if I ever showed you a video of his there is a YouTube conspiracy theorist whose content I watch in short spurts. His name is A Call for an Uprising. I hate that. I hate that. He is a Christian fundamentalist who is like the heart. Like when I say conspiracy theorist, I don't mean like, oh, Bush did 9-11 and an anti-vaxxer. I'm talking like. There is no left wing. There is no right right wing. They're all Satanist Illuminati Jews who are trying to destroy the world. And there's a giant pedo ring that every single famous person is fucking kids. And they're sacrificing them to Satan. And they have a deal with the devil. And they're all possessed. And there's MK Ultra, And all of them are freaking out all the time. And everything's trying to brainwash you. Like it's – like like the dude lives in a constant state of terror. 
I'm going to cut you off right there. You have no idea how tempted I'm going to be when I'm editing this in about an hour to just hard stop in the middle of that and play the outro. <laughs> like, it's going to be real tempting. I won't do it. Just hard cut. That's the end of the show. Yeah. It's just me saying all those words. What? I... If I had time, man, I'd fuck around with that so much with the editing. I would, like, stitch in an outro and then, like, in pieces have the... <laughs> I'm going to underlay that under a song. So It sounds like an Alex Jones YouTube poop. Like, that's... But that's what these guys sound like. That's how crazy Call for an Uprising is. Like, no joke. He says that Alex Jones is a part of the machine. Because he is. Naturally. Yeah. Um, but like, no, like, but like, that's who people like Doomcock sound like. Yeah, he sound like a call for an uprising. They sound like Alex Jones. They sound like these like insane conspiracy theorists. There's three cuts of the and like, and, and here's the thing: there could very well be alternate versions of this movie floating around. Maybe in like script form. Maybe in script form. There might- maybe there's maybe there's stuff that like. They're the, 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 maybe they're playing with okay. Do we like this scene here? Do we like this scene here? Do we like the maybe there's shit like that going on where they're like they're doing the thing that every goddamn movie does, where they're playing Tetris with all of this with with the story and like okay, do we want this here? Do we want this here? Do we want this here? We're we gonna put it here. We're we gonna put this scene there. We're we gonna put this scene there. We're we gonna do it like this. That like the, there's probably that going on because that's what happens with a fucking movie. That's what happens with storytelling is figuring out the best paced way to do something. But there's three different cuts, one of them written by George Lucas. There's three different movies with three different scripts with three different endings. Fucking what? And these all Star Wars version of those chemicals in the water that are turned that turn the fucking frogs. And this all happened within like a couple months. They rewrote a movie in a month. That was wasn't a, meant to be like a really hard punctuation to your statement, but, but I'm it, glad was. it was. Yeah. And uh, what world? And I also like on a lore level, like this is where I want to get sweaty because, like, I appreciate what you said earlier that I don't gatekeep. I try to do the opposite of gatekeeping. Yeah. Like, if I can get someone hooked on the Star Wars bug, it becomes my life's mission. Find that one piece of lore that they're just going to lock on to. Exactly. So, I don't want like to talk... Like Starkiller 2, Death Stars 3 through 8. Yes. However, when I'm dealing with somebody who is a gatekeeping piece of shit and you don't have your lore straight, that's when I get mad. So, Doomcock, let's talk about mood ring fucking lightsabers. Have you heard of kyber crystals? Because this is from whenever George Lucas still had to say during the Clone Wars with Dave Filoni, motherfucker. The kyber crystals turn or come blank. You change the color of that crystal, my friend. They're not like mood rings. You're right. They're, they're, they're not. That'd be silly that the lightsaber changed colors on a whim. However, the lightsabers gain their color from the user. So before you want to talk shit that it's a mood ring that inherently has like a feminine name, that has like a feminine kind of twist to it, like, oh, it's a mood ring. Oh, little baby Ben Solo, he's a baby, he's a bitch. Uh." Whatever. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. We have Jared on record saying Kylo Ren's a baby bitch. Hey, no, that was, (laughs) that was not the time. I'm heated, (laughs) don't. I can't help it. 
you piss off. But get your lore straight. The kyber crystals turn blank, and in fact, or come blank. And a red crystal can be purified back to white. Now, they have not explicitly said whether or not that once you turn a lightsaber white from red, whether or not that lightsaber can now be turned back to another color depending on the user. They haven't explicitly said that it can't happen, so in theory it could happen. So perhaps Ben purifies his red crystal and gives it back its blue. Or maybe since Ben was the original owner of the crystal, he can in theory give it give it its original no color, color since yeah. he's the one purifying, purifying a crystal it. that he fucked up. Yeah. So no, it's not a mood ring. There's deep lore here that you're either willfully ignoring or ignorant to, you fucking casual. <laughs> Second of all, what kind of ABCD Pokemon logic, not even Pokemon logic, because Pokemon doesn't even work that way, are you actually going to claim that if Ray were to kill Palpatine, she is therefore somehow capable of killing every man in the saga? Are you out of your goddamn mind? I, I forgot to put in the story about how John Boyega was talking about, like, oh yeah, Anakin would kick Ray's ass. No shit. Anakin Skywalker is a fucking war veteran. He, the dude went toe to toe with Savage Opress and Count Dooku and Asajj Ventress and the son of fucking Mortis and Obi-Wan Kenobi him goddamn self. Yeah, Anakin would kick Rey's ass because he has experience that she doesn't have. Nobody, nobody, nobody who actually likes the sequel trilogy thinks that Rey is capable of going toe to toe with these incredibly established Jedi and Force wielders across across the lore. No, but I, I've not met a single person who unironically or legitimately thinks that Rey is more powerful than Anakin or Obi-Wan <clears throat> or even Ahsoka. She's not on that tier. She doesn't have the skill or the training yet. And I've like I've said a thousand fucking times, it's skill and power. Where skill and power meet and skill and talent meet is where you find the the power level of a Jedi. Freddie Prince Jr. was right about the whole there's no leveling up. You're right. He's right. There's no leveling up. It's a matter of how open to the force you're willing to be. And that will take you very far. And it's like a muscle. So you have to work it out. And the more you use it and the more open to it you are, the higher your – the greater your connection, the more natural your connection becomes. That's my personal interpretation. That's how I know – a lot of people I know interpret the force. I've always thought that that was painfully obvious. And to act like the things that Ray has done up to this point in the franchise make her some outlier of unbelievable import is asinine – and again, either you don't understand the franchise or you're being willfully ignorant to to marry Sue a woman. And like, I'm sorry. Luke blowing up the Death Star is more unbelievable than Ray beating Kylo Ren on Starkiller Base. Yo, yeah, I'll give that to you. 100. Like, not joking with you anymore. That, that whole scene with subtext makes a lot of sense. It's not how it even happened. subtext. It's text. Most people have been coded and primed by the prequel trilogy that a lightsaber duel is a fancy dance. They're not actually yeah. looking at what's happening in the fight. Which is why I called it subtext. Fair. Yeah. But, like, it shouldn't have to become subtext by default 
because the logical, rational, you know, intelligent people are unable to go, oh, wait, she's like running from him the whole fight. And he's bleeding out. And, and like, and he's in notable distress because he just killed his father, Han Solo. <laughs> happy Veterans Day to John Broken. Le- legitimately. And Jason Inman. Um Legitimately, happy Veterans Day. Uh, when we're recording this. I <laughs> I don't I don't get it. Like you you have like you have to pick and choose your lore for that to make sense. Mm-hmm. It is so it, it, it it's so childish. Like I know we're like we're talking about fucking space wizards, but like it's so if if Ray were to kill Sidious, she is therefore more powerful than every man in the franchise. Okay. Let's do it with a very specific example here. One that I mentioned to you getting out of the car. Obi-Wan Kenobi beat Anakin Skywalker on Mustafar. Indeed he did. Now, you can debate whether or not it was because Anakin got too cocky and blah, 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 high ground, whatever, and Obi-Wan got a lucky shot in. But I think eventually that fight that fight was, was bound to end one of two ways from my perspective. Anakin overreaches and gives Obi-Wan an, an opening to end the fight very conclusively. Or let me rephrase that. Can I interject for a sec? Yes. I think a lot of people look, especially in something like Star Wars, look at fights the way I specifically used to look at fights like this, where I only examined... I examined stats, right? Yeah. Like in the in the same way that I've always said I'm not I'm going to bring it up on the Star Wars show and we're not going to get in super depth about it. I'm not a fan of Batman and F- Superman fighting at the end of Dark Knight Returns. I've come to terms with a lot of things about that fight that it makes total sense the way it happens. Just like the fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan makes total sense the way it happens. Yes, Anakin is more attuned to the Force than Obi-Wan Kenobi. But to look at that fight just on the on the premise of See, I'm going to correct I I'm I'm going to even make an argument and make maybe it's just word choice. He has a stronger baseline connection. Obi-Wan's the one who's more into Okay, yeah, word choice, you're right. You're absolutely right. Like if you're if you have a Dragon Ball Z scouter and you're reading power levels, Anakin's is technically higher than Obi Wan's. Is yes. what I'm trying to say. But yes, Obi Wan is surprisingly like somehow in that situation a little more level headed, right? You have to like Anakin is at the height of his fucking conceit. He thinks he's the hottest shit on that planet, yeah. and there's fucking lava. That's everywhere. his. That is like that moment he is riding his first real dark side high. Like, you have to take in the psychology of the characters in the moment of that fight. Like, obviously, if it was just war veteran Anakin Skywalker and war veteran Obi-Wan Kenobi fighting in a dojo room with no environmental things going on and no no high ground, no platforms, no nothing, that fight isn't – and they're both level-headed the whole time. That fight is entirely different. Absolutely. But they're somehow level-headed and going with the intent to kill, right? Like – yeah. That's where people draw their lines for fights from. 
not he's bleeding out in the snow and he's very conflicted about what he just did and she's running from him and he's trying to take her alive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, not only that, like, like with the Obi-Wan and Anakin example, because I don't, don't want to loop that back to like the whole like if she beats A, then that means yeah. she's better than B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. That 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 fight on Mustafar ends one of two ways. Obi-Wan finds his moment where Anakin overreaches. Which is what happens. Which is what happens. Or Anakin completely loses control before Obi-Wan finds that sweet spot. And Anakin lets like like just absolutely cuts loose and relies on his force abilities to kill Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan got Anakin overstretching before Anakin said fuck it. That said, the same tactical genius, master swordsman, level-headed, quintessential Jedi that Obi-Wan Kenobi is, gets fucking railed by Count Dooku every time he goes toe-to-toe with him. Obi-Wan cannot compete with Count Dooku. Count Dooku is the perfect balance of everything it takes to beat Obi-Wan Kenobi. And you know who killed Count Dooku? The one motherfucker who is primed to beat Anakin Skywalker. Or Anakin Skywalker. (laughs) And who beat Anakin Skywalker? The one dude who's primed to beat Anakin Skywalker who was beat by the one dude who's primed to beat Obi-Wan. Star Wars is not, if A is greater than B... Power levels are bullshit. Power levels are bullshit. It's rock, paper, scissors. It's not even rock, paper, scissors. Well, it's better it's, analogous but, to rock, paper, yeah, scissors. And, and like, yeah. there's, there's always context. There's there a are, counter to fighting styles. You gotta, you gotta, there's so much you have to take into account with fights like that. And like, we are old and wise, Jared. And not only that, like, you also have to account for like, fairy tale logic. You're right. No, you're absolutely that, like, right. That, like, there's a <laughs> mystical force that is in part when, dictating where it needs to go. What I love that, like, as a fandom, for the most part, everyone in Star Wars has finally not finally because, like, it took me a long time to has come around to like, this is a fucking show. This is a movie about space wizards. Like, why have we been taking this so seriously this whole time? Like, it it, it should be taken seriously, but not to like. No, no. But yeah, I, I know. What you, I'm sorry. Like, I know we've what you been, mean. We've been not that the story isn't serious, but we've been taking all the power level shit seriously. We've been Dragon Balling this shit, and Dragon Ball doesn't take its power level seriously, right? Exactly. Like, and that's what I'm saying. So, like, let's go back to the whole: if Ray beats Palpatine, whatever. Okay, let, let like let's entertain that idea that Ray defeats Sidious. J.J. Abrams is the same man who decided that the fight between Ray and Kylo Ren was meant to be very clear. That, Ky- that again. Ray is retreating. Ben is bleeding. Ben is distracted by killing his father, Han Solo, and is running out of tank and running out of gas in his tank. And it is in the moment where Ray fully gives herself over to the Force and lets it guide her actions as Kylo finally is like, he's truly running on fumes. Ray blitzes Ben. 
And even after she smacks the lightsaber out of his hand and damn near decapitates him, he still tries to get back up to keep fighting. Should have just made some snow angels. Like like JJ said, like the thing that stops them from fighting is the ground ripping them apart. And that like, you know, and we're going to let my Raylo show here. Like it's literally the force saying, nope. Okay. Time out. Go, like go to your different corners. Like it's the force. It's the force. And that's the end of round one, ladies and gents. Exactly. I don't. I doubt that even if Ray is the one to kill Sidious. After Ben is thrown down a pit, never to be seen again. Allegedly, according to the big that leak that involves all of this shit, that is almost certainly horse shit. That if Ray were to kill Sidious herself, Ben probably softened him up. If like 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 if the fight is Ben and Ray are fighting him together. Doomcock has to has to negate the fact that the fight starts with Palpatine going head to head with a Jedi in training who is of above average power level and a Skywalker who knows the whole story. And it's like, you know, Ray is the bestest ever. That bullshit. Like, no, Palpatine just had to fight two on one. Ray beats him by by herself. No, you just said she's fighting him with Ben. No, but she she kills Ben. But then Palpatine kills Ben. But Palpatine kills Ben. But since she killed Palpatine, she also killed Ben. Ben. But then she also beat Ben before because they're fighting on the Death Star wreckage. And then she's fighting Palpatine immediately after that. And he knows that for sure. And yeah. Yeah. Which like, uh, no. (laughs) Like, no, like almost certainly when we see Ray facing down Palpatine, that is a different scene. And, and like the Death Star Wreckage planet has a name now and I can't remember it. But like that moon is not the same place. It is clearly not. What do you mean? None, like none of this makes sense. Like I don't understand. Like she beat him by himself. What the fuck do you mean? You just said he's getting tag teamed by Ben and Ray. Shut up. I'm sorry my TJ is showing. <laughs> my Bowser is showing. My um, Trenton is showing. <laughs> don't. Um but like like how like in like from one sentence to the next he's negated what he just said. Like Ray kills him by himself. Just the premise of the Phantom Menace negates itself. We are the biggest Star Wars fans. How do we know? We hate half the fucking franchise. Like, and like, again, I'm not saying that not liking a movie makes you an asshole or a racist or a sexist or whatever. But the, if the Asian lady's politi- inherently political, you need to reevaluate your politics. Because there's a lot of people, I think, in these groups... Who just got sucked in. And weren't. And and they didn't. like. It took me a long time. To grow. Into being able to say the phrase. 
I didn't like it because it just wasn't for me. Yeah, same. I was like, I was comfortably in my 20s. And I'm only like, I'm only 23. But like. I I, know what you mean. I was solidly into my college career when like something, like I said, it was, it was my roommate, Dan, who takes the other side every time he can. And I was just like, oh, wait, opinions aren't fact. You can like something even if it's. Yeah. Stop with the it's objectively a bad movie. Like there are very few pieces of media that are objectively whatever. Like. Like Troll 2 or The Room. (laughs) Like stuff like that. Like you can say that it's objectively bad because like these are the standards of of which you make this art and this is how you have you have like deviated from like. You know, the camera, if your intention is to get the shot like this and the camera is not doing that thing, you're inherently doing it wrong. On a fundamental filmmaking level, there is nothing like that with the new trilogy and the new movies. If anything, they're better shot. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. And like, hey, hey, you know, credit where credit is due. Doomgog is one of the few like fandom menace figureheads who I've seen talk about The Last Jedi and like legitimately compliment it where it deserves it. Like I watched a little bit of his Last Jedi review and he was like, it is a beautifully shot and very well acted movie. Or he said it, it was some type of like pseudo supervillain monologue the way he phrased it but he said it's very well acted and it's beautifully shot and like good 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 job good oh, job you said he you meant they they i'm sorry they 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 we don't assume here you can't even say that dictor is a you know gendered name yeah. i mean victor typically is but i mean dictor could be it could be non-binary the moral of the story is no reshoots are happening. Again, reshoots are happening. Happened, most likely. Maybe they're pick- they're doing pickups. Yeah. Right now. Like, like they're this filming, is, these they're are filming the, the half of the, the half a second. These are the I am Iron Man reshoots. Exactly. This is like, oh wait, we had a different idea for this line. Oh wait, hey, we we're actually missing this portion of a shot. What like, you know, whatever. It but there's not three different movies being shown to different audiences that are made exactly up of hardcore fans, fans, you know, people who know of Star Wars and have seen the movies and people who are, quote, most just as likely to see the new Chipmunk movie. This isn't happening. You're being lied to. Be it willfully or not, you're being deceived. And I'm sorry that that is happening. And I would, I would like legitimately to like have a conversation with somebody. Like, you know, like I would love to sit down with Doomcock and just be like, and 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 and, and just go. And I don't, I don't want to say tit for tat in like an adversarial way. Like I like I want to talk to you. Like, what is Star Wars to you? Cock sabers. Cock. 
Dictor Van Doomcock, you were a thousand percent more than happy to use Cox Sabres as your next line of merch. Um, you can take that one too, for free. Too bad I already have it on a shirt, Jared. <laughs> It reaches into backpack. It ha- even says this was Jared Bachman Stubbs's idea. <laughs> but legitimately, like, I, like, 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 let's let's talk Star Wars. Like, I, I want to know what Star Wars means to you. That the stories that are being told are not exactly in line with the tales that have been told up to this point. Because I don't get it, man. I don't. I don't. None of this makes any. It makes a lick of fucking sense. It is willful ignorance at best and an act of deception at worst. So, yeah. We came into this last story at an hour, and it's been an hour 45. I fucked up. I'm sorry. Yeah, you did. Fuck you. You fucking animal. How dare you? Don't ever make that fucking noise again. (laughs) Don't you dare. Jared, where can people find you on social media? John is so sweet. Is the, your your Twitter handle is John is so sweet. Got it. Uh, <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Go follow Jared at John is so sweet. I'm going to see whose Twitter handle that actually is. Keep van. You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at darkjedi2552. Uh, be sure to like and follow Dubac Discussion on all the other social media pages, your Twitters, your Instagrams, your Facebooks. Um, and listen to the other shows in the network, your Hall of Heroes, which we have referenced several times, our comic book podcast, which I highly recommend you guys give a listen to. The Gore More Podcast, Wicked Wednesday, Jerk the Curtain, Down the Rabbit Hole, and Do Back Sports, as well as the other affiliated people. Also, be sure to check out our website, NRT Public, to get yourself some sweet merch just in time for the rest of Skywalker. Get yourself that I don't Ray think that handle shirt. exists. You can, you can take it now. I'm good. I know. John Stubbs sent me a very sweet message, and it, it made me blush. Um, and be, oh, yeah. Also, whenever you're done listening to this, go listen to my guest spot on Beyond the Outer Rim. <clears throat> It's a very great time. I hope you guys give it a listen. Travis, where can all the people find you? On Twitter and Instagram at Travis Victor Political. Don't don't you know? Fucking hell! Fucking no. conspiracy theory. Travis is actually Doomcock. That would and has been shit. engineering this to like eventually have him fu- like end up in my algorithm to just be like, who the fuck is this guy? That that'd be some shit. What if it's TJ? <laughs> no, no. Here's what I'm going to say. I don't mean this as an insult to TJ. That is not his vocabulary. You're right. And like. Not in the way that like he doesn't have the capacity for it. Yeah. But he doesn't try to sound smart. He sounds he like a fucking human being. He's, yeah, he does not like opine and like do the you know the ruse of so the ruse of soy woker. Follow me at Travis oh, Political. Shit, we didn't talk about what <laughs> mitosis. Later, we were. We're at an hour fifty, please. Okay, Just, I I need to do other things tonight. I wanted to call it kytosis or kylosis.
Follow Dewback Discussion on all the other social media platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I love how that conversation has zero fucking context. Yep. It won't until later. Um, make sure you check out all the... Did you already plug the other shows? Okay. I, I kind of checked out. Uh, <laughs> okay, I kind of checked out is the official slogan of this whole goddamn network. Basically. Um, follow follow me and Jared on Twitter. It's a fun time. Yeah. Uh, I tweet about Christmas a lot now because we're the brotherhood of Christmas. And Jared tweets a lot about Raylo because he's a horny Raylo. I am not a horny Raylo. We are honored that you have joined us and may the force be with you. <laughs> Excuse the fuck out of me. I think I'm losing my mind. Trying to stay inside the lines It's like you're running in place yeah. How you keep staying the same Boy, boy, baby, I I get some, something different And I'm okay with that I can't fake no more smiles That shit gon' drive me mad I'm focused on the future To feel cozy. That's you know what I mean. I, yeah, like it's. I could not be wearing these pants right now, feasibly, and be comfortable. 
Yeah. But they're so fucking cozy. I just I just need to feel cozy right now. Like today's the day I want a cup of hot chocolate. Bro, I could go for some fucking hot chocolate right now. 